This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Well, we are finishing up our series this morning. Uh, This is actually week seven of Grace to Grace. And as I have said, and I don't know about you, the more we talk about grace, uh, for me, the more it just creates gratefulness in my heart for the character and nature of God. And that's what we're doing as we look at grace, as we understand uh, what grace is. We define a word, but we're not just defining a word. That we're understanding the character and nature of God as we look to the scriptures. That grace is unique to the scriptures, to the Bible. Um, as it relates to world religions and, and thinking about big ideas from the scripture, that this idea of grace we see in the scriptures helps us to understand God. And then, therefore, how we relate to God, how God is relating to us, and then how we can be grateful for all that God has done for us. So we've looked at a lot of different topic, topics. If you've missed any of the messages, they're all available uh, online in our podcast and also through our church app. We looked at these ideas that God lavishes his grace on us, that he is pouring out his grace on us. And just because uh, God gives us grace that he sets us free from sin, he set us free from sin, therefore we shouldn't continue to serve sin, but God has set us free in his grace so that we can serve and love one another. We also looked at this idea that God has graced us with gifts and talents. When we look at the scripture, we see that the things that we uh, naturally can do well, those things have been given to us by God. And on Easter Sunday, we talked about resurrection grace, that the resurrection uh, gives us grace for the end of our lives, and then it also gives us grace and hope in the middle of our lives. A couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh, and in the middle of that, we see that uh, God said to Paul that his grace is sufficient. In other words, his grace is more than we need. So regardless of what our circumstances look like, we know that God's grace is more than enough. And then last week, we just talked about receiving God's grace. What God gives us by grace, we should receive by faith. So we're going to be finishing up today. So let's turn our Bibles again to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And the first part of this verse says, And the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. The God of all grace. The revelation of God in the scripture. And we see this in the scripture. And we see this specifically when Jesus comes to the earth. The scripture tells us in John chapter 1 that through Jesus we understand grace and truth. That when Jesus came to the earth, we are seeing uh, God's grace being given to us. And so the scripture says here, God is the God of all grace. It's important for us to understand what grace is. And that if God is the God of all of it, it helps us to understand his nature and his character. The word simply defined grace just means the unmerited favor of God toward man. Undeserved acceptance and love received from another Grace is a free gift. Grace also means gracious or merciful behavior of a more powerful person toward another. And then when we understand this, we understand that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God that we walk in and live in, that the ethos of that kingdom, because God is the king of that kingdom, the ethos of that kingdom is grace, that God is constantly giving us his grace. 
So the question I have for you today, as we've talked about grace in all these different ways, and how we understand how much God has given to us in his grace, how much favor he bestows on us, and how much forgiveness he gives, and how he sent Jesus to die in our place, and how God is just such a giving God that he sits on the throne of grace, and he invites us to the throne of grace. All of these aspects of grace should also affect us as a community, as a church, as a, as a church body, as families, as individual Christians, how we deal in life with other people, that we should learn from God, that God operates by grace, and then it should actually change how we do relationships, that the way we do relationships should be based on this pattern of grace. So, you know, there's a, there's a famous story uh, in John chapter 8. You can read it this afternoon uh, when you get home. I'm just going to explain it to you a little bit. One of my favorite stories in the scripture that Jesus is, is talking and he's preaching. And then all of a sudden, uh, people interrupt Jesus' sermon, the religious people, the Pharisees, and they throw this woman down in front of Jesus. And they say to Jesus, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, somehow, somehow the man got away. We don't know what happened to the man, but somehow they just were able to get a hold of the woman. And they, they, they caught this woman and they're bringing her to Jesus. And they say to Jesus, in the law, Moses said that someone who's caught in adultery must be stoned. Well, what do you say? And they said this, the scripture says, because they're trying to catch him. They're trying to find something to accuse him about. So this woman's there. She's, she's made a mistake. She's sinned. She's broken the law of God. And they're bringing this woman to Jesus. And they're saying, Moses says this, what do you say? Jesus pauses for a second, scripture says, and he draws something in the sand. And then he stands up and he says this phrase. The person of you out there who doesn't have any sin, you get to throw the first rock. In other words, they're all poised. They've all got rocks because they know what the law says. They know what Moses has already said. That if you're caught in adultery, basically you get stoned. You get literally rocks thrown at you. They're all ready. They're all poised with their stones. Jesus stands up. The person of you who's looking at this person who doesn't have any sin, you get to throw the first rock. And then the scripture says from the oldest to the youngest. And I love that description because the, the older people all knew right away that Jesus had plowed them under. And the young people, you know, idealism of life, they're like, no, we're going to figure out a way that we could still throw rocks at this person. We're going to get him. And then from the oldest to the youngest, they all just walked away. And then Jesus stand backs up, back up and he says to this woman, says, woman, where are your accusers? And then he says to her that, you know, they've all walked away. And then Jesus says to this woman, neither do I condemn you. And then he says, go to her. He says, go and sin no more. We see grace and we see truth. That Jesus gives this woman grace and then he speaks some truth to her. He's like, hey, it's not a good idea to keep sinning. And this is the idea, this is the story of grace. As we've already said, just because God has set us free from sin doesn't mean that we should continue in sin. It's never a good idea to keep sinning. It is a waste of your life to sin. But here in the middle of this woman, when this woman is caught in sin, Jesus says to her, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. 
And the question is for us in this story, as, it, as we think about us as a community of faith, as we think about us as a church, followers of Jesus, what type of community do we want to be? And, I, and I'm going to talk about it today. Uh, what should we desire to be? Who should we desire to be in this story? I mean, and the answer to the question is really we want to be Jesus, right? We want to be more and more like Jesus. But it's so easy just to pick up rocks. Isn't it just easier to pick up rocks? It's just easier to pick up rocks than to be merciful. It's just easier to pick up rocks than to give grace to somebody. You know, when we think about relationships, a lot of times, you know, we, we want grace. And we think uh, we are entitled to grace. Everybody else, though, needs justice. Everybody else that makes mistakes and does things wrong in relationships, they need justice. They need a comeuppance. They need to be brought to bear. Justice needs to be brought to bear on them. And a lot of times we judge other people by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Well, you know, the things that I do, they're really not that bad. But the things that they do, they, the proverbial they, the they in our church, the they in society, the things that they do are worse than the things that I do. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to pick up stones because I want to, I want to pick up stones. I want to pick up rocks. What they did was wrong. But do we want to be the people in the story who have the rocks? Because what does Jesus say to the people who have the rocks in their hand who are ready to inflict justice on someone else? They're, they're ready to inflict judgment on somebody else. What does Jesus say to those people who are just ready to, we just want to get them? What does he say to us? Because it's just easy to pick up rocks, isn't it? We, we watch the news. Somebody we don't like does something. What do we want to do? We just want to, we want to, you know, if, if anybody is sitting there, if, if our spouse is sitting there, if our children are sitting there, we just want to tell them why this is wrong. And if we're really incensed, we're going to go on social media. And we're going to be, let it be, we're going to let it be known, my judgment on all things of the world. And I just want to pick up a rock. I want to pick up a stone. But Jesus says to us, those of you who don't have any sin, you get to throw the first rock. So when is that? When is that time? When is that time where I, I, I qualify to be somebody's ultimate judge? See, here's the, the good news for us, um, that we don't actually qualify for God's job. Did you know that? No matter how good your resume is, no matter how long you've been in church, no matter how much you've read the word, you don't get to be somebody else's judge, their ultimate judge to decide to wrap the gavel on them for their life, that their life is over, that they have, this is their destiny based on what they've done. Jesus says to us, those of you without sin, you get to cast the first stone. So in other words, we don't want to be those people. We want to be Jesus in the story. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice of God. So follow God's example. One scripture says, be imitators of God. 
So what, what aspect of God's character that is he specifically talking about? Because once again, we can think, well, you know, God is the righteous judge of the world. Then I, therefore, as an individual Christian, I can be the righteous judge of everybody at church and everybody in society and everybody at my workplace. No, he tells us, uh, follow God's example, therefore, daily love children and walk in the way of love. The love walk. And love walk doesn't mean the steps that I take. It means the life that I live, that God is calling us to live this way of love and specifically to the story that we get to not hold rocks anymore. That we can just put our rocks down, we can put our stones down, and we can uh, allow the love of God to come through us. Psalm 86. It says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfastness, love and faithfulness. Now, those are things that we could follow. We just read there, be imitators of God. Merciful, gracious, slow to anger. Is that tough for anybody in here? Anybody ever have a temper issue? Come on, I got my hand up. It's easy for you to get angry. What does it say about God that he's slow to anger? If, if, if those of us out there, you know, some of you that it's not your personality type, you don't know what this is like. But those of us that it's easy for us to get angry, something happens and we just want to, we just, we just want to, we just want to talk. We want to act and we want to let our opinions be known and we want to say. But what does it say about God that he's slow to anger? And so if we feel that rise up, what do we just, we just need to, we need to put down the stones empty our pockets of all of our stones that we're ready to throw <laughs> and be like God. Be slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Hebrews 12 verse 15 says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. How are we going to do that? Because I don't want that to be me. I don't want to fail to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So that when we start to keep holding on to our stones, because it's just easy to hold on to our stones and our rocks that we want to throw, it just becomes bitterness in my hand. Bitterness in my pockets that I'm ready to throw at somebody else. See, and if we live in that place, we, we've sort of moved away from the grace of God. We moved away from this spot realizing that, oh, God was gracious to me. God was patient with me, and God is calling us to follow him. He's calling us to be his imitators. See, we have these opportunities in, you know, community of faith. Once again, letting grace affect us. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. I love, love, love these verses. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That we would restore somebody. Now, you know, if somebody doesn't want to be restored and they, they don't want to be in a relationship with you, 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 there's nothing you can do there. 
But here in a situation, the scripture is saying somebody that, like this woman who's caught there in adultery, or somebody who's struggling with something, if somebody's got a difficulty with something, if somebody's going through a hard time, if you're able to be in relationship with them, what does the scripture say that the spiritual people do? What do spiritual people look like? What is it the spiritual people look like? You know, d- depending on your church background, it, this could be a thousand different things. And I remember, you know, sometimes it, I, I went to a lot of different church backgrounds growing up. But sometimes maybe you had a church background like this that, you know, in like worship time or prayer time, there was always one really extra loud person. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Anybody grow up in a church like that? And then, you know, you're like trying to pray, you're trying to worship, but then you're like, what are they doing? And if people have their attention on you in a worship service, it's, it's kind of missing the point, right? So the point in any worship service would not be to draw attention to yourself. This is just some practical teaching. It's about Jesus. You wouldn't want to be louder and making and putting on a bigger display so that people would be looking at you. Is anybody with me? But in my mind, in my young mind, I'm thinking, I guess that's what spiritual people do. I guess that's a spiritual person. Or it could be somebody really pious. Or, or, or you know, just, you know, a super saccharine Christian ease. You know, like oozing stuff. I'll try not to go too far here. Um, but what does the scripture say that spiritual people do? And what does spiritual people look like? Someone who's uh, having trouble, what are we going to do with spiritual people? And we're going to try to restore that person. If you have the ability, if they'll invite you in, what should our goal be? It's like, I need six rocks. It's just easy to pick up rocks. It's way harder and it's way messier to restore somebody. To care for somebody, to love somebody through a really difficult situation with tears and difficulty and struggle and brokenness. Because it, it says it this way, you are a spiritual should restore him in a spirit of, gent- of gentleness. Keep watching yourself. In other words, why would I restore somebody? Because at some point I might need restoration. I might need some help. I might need somebody spiritual to help me. And so I'm going to do this with humility. I'm going to do it with gentleness, keeping a watch on myself, lest I too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So this is what we can do. We can help each other. This is what a community of grace looks like. That I'm going to give grace to you. You don't need my stones or my rocks. You don't need my judgments. I'll let God be the judge. I'll do the thing that God has actually called me to do. God has actually called me to walk in love. Walk in love and restore. And like Jesus, he brought grace and truth. And we can say, hey, you know, that thing you did, it probably wasn't good. Maybe you shouldn't do it anymore. Maybe we should avoid that situation. Maybe we should not do this anymore because this thing you keep doing, it's causing problems. It's walking in love with somebody, and it's walking in love with somebody with some humility. Same chapter, 
verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Within church community, that we have an opportunity to be an encouragement to people, to be a blessing to people, to walk in love with each other, to give grace to one another, to give help, to give mercy, to give love. This is what a, a community of grace would look like. Somebody who's embraced grace. Somebody who understands what the gospel is. See, because when we understand what the gospel is, here's the story. We, at the finish line, at the end of our lives, we've received ahead of time the grace that's been given. So we shouldn't stand down here at the finish line with rocks in our hand, thinking that we are superior to everybody. The only reason that we stand at the finish line already is because of grace. Because God has given us something. Because God has given us forgiveness. That God has given us mercy. So that at the, at, at the, at the end, at the finish line, we know that we're going to walk into God's presence. But we don't stand here <laughs> pretending that we accomplished something. It was given to us. And because it was given to us, we're going to put all of our rocks down. We're going to be gracious to people. <clears throat> and the reason that's difficult for us is because we aren't God. We aren't the righteous judge of the world. And we, we are mere human beings following after Jesus. So sometimes, once again, our emotions get in the way. There's a lot of other stuff that gets in the, in the way. It's not always easy to put down our rocks. But God is calling us to live in community with one another in a spiritual way. Spiritual as defined there in Galatians chapter 6. So we have one another. We have uh, uh, to walk in love with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what the scripture calls us to. Within the community of faith. And then we have... The world, people outside in the world. People who don't go to church, people that uh, don't claim any faith in God. Surely we can pick up some rocks there. Can we pick up, is there a few rocks? One or two? Can I just hold two rocks, please? Especially for the people on the other side of the political aisle. Can I at least, just, just half a rock? Can I get half a rock for them? People outside of the church. How is it that we are supposed to be thinking of people who are outside the church far, far from God? The Apostle Paul teaches us here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. He talks about this message that's supposed to come through the church. He says in verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than all the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles. The boundless riches of Christ. The Gentiles is people who don't have a covenant with God. People who aren't ethnic Jews. People who haven't heard anything. People who don't know anything. That Paul is going to go out and he's going to preach to them. 
to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was now that now through the church, everybody say through the church. Who's the church? Us people, not just me, not just preachers. But through the church, through us, individual Christ followers who call ourselves part of the church. His intent was now through the church that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. To the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is the thing that Paul is saying that he, that God is shown should be made known through the church. This is God's eternal purpose, something that he accomplished in Christ. In him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. This is the mystery that Paul says needs to be made known to the Gentiles, to the non-covenant people. What is it? Uh, That in Christ there's freedom. And that in Christ we can have confidence toward God, that we're going to put away our religion... We're going to put away our approaches to the throne and accept the thing that God gives us by grace in Christ. Paul says this is the mystery that is supposed to come through the church. Not from the church, all of us having our pockets filled with rocks. And when they think about the church, they just think about the church throwing stones at society. We're going to throw stones at this group and we're going to throw stones at that group. And this group, we certainly don't agree with. We're going to throw as many rocks as possible. No, Paul is saying that this is the mystery that we want to be made known. That there's freedom in Christ. And that we can actually have confidence towards God in Christ. This is the mystery. This is a thing that's coming through the church. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's us. The new creation has come. The old has gone away. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So not only did God give us salvation, something in Christ, he's actually giving us with that the ministry of reconciliation. That was... God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Listen to that. What does it say? That God was reconciling the world, not counting people's sins against them. So the message from the church should not be, oh, all of you out there who are sinning, I've got a rock for you. The message to the people outside of the church who are sinning is that God is not holding your sins against you. There is grace for you. That's the message of reconciliation. Come on now. Are you with me? Are you reading the scripture with me? Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us. The message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. So what are we, if we're Christ's ambassadors, in other words, we're we're taking a message. We're ambassadors for Christ. We've all heard that phrase. As though God were making his appeal through us. So God's making an appeal through us as individual Christ followers, as the church group, corporate. 
We implore, implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him to be no sin who had, had no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the message of grace that comes from the church. That is the thing that God wants us to talk about. That God offers you forgiveness. See, we shouldn't be in the church pretending that we're moral giants. Because sometimes we're not. I like one pastor on his Twitter feed. Is, you know, it's like, where do you live? And he says, he's got this, I live in the state of grace. And that's where we as Christians, we live in this wonderful place. The reason we're at the finish line already accepted and loved by God is because of grace. That is what we offer the world. We offer the world grace. Do people need to change? Of course. But let's let the Lord change them. In the ethos of grace. We invite people in. Follow Jesus. He will clean you up. He will change you by his spirit. Don't change this, change this, change this, and then accept Jesus. No, accept Jesus. Get in the will of God. Get in the grace of God. And the beautiful thing is he changes you into the image of Christ. That's the message of grace. Invite the sinners in. That's the point of the gospel. It's not invite the perfect people in because there are no perfect people. The message of grace is for everybody. Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. How many people? Even the people that we want to throw rocks at. God has brought salvation to those people and for those people. And God wants to tell them something through the church. God, listen, God wants to give them grace through the church, through me. Invite them in. Hey, follow Jesus. But what if they do this? And what if they do that? And what if they do that? What if you did it? What did you do? You know what you did? Didn't God invite you to follow him in the middle of all of your mess? How do you think you got to the finish line already? By grace and grace alone. We want to call out to people, hey, this is, what, this is the grace that God offers you. And let's expect the Holy Spirit to do a work in their lives. We can't change people. Any married people out there will know that this is true. You can't change your spouse. You just have to trust the Lord. <laughs> Same with people outside of the church. We got to invite him in. And why we got to invite him in? Because that's the message. The message is that God's not holding your sins against you. That God offers you grace. That's the message through the church. That God is offering salvation by his, he's bringing salvation to all people. The people that we don't like too. He offers them grace. Romans chapter two. See, it's very easy once again for us. In the church. Now, I just, want every, I just want to calm all the church people down for a second. Listen, I, 
All of what I'm saying, I am not condoning any sin. So just so we're clear. We will never condone sin from this stage. No sin at all will we ever condone because sin ruins people's lives. Sin ruins relationships. We don't condone sin. We don't agree with sin. But God offers grace to sinners through the church. And the reason we know that is because he offered grace to you and me. He offered grace to us. And it's very easy for us, after a little while of following Jesus, that our, our morality gets changed, that our morality gets better, and we approve, and we remove ourselves from sin. It's very easy, just in the church, to then start picking up rocks and throwing at rocks at people who do various sins. I get it. I understand that. But we have to not do that. We got to put our rocks down. Jesus says to us, those of us without sin, you get to throw the first rock. So we're not picking up any rocks. We're picking up grace. And that's what we give to people. People need grace. People need stuff that they don't deserve just like us. Romans chapter 2 verse 1. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So in other words, we don't judge. God will be the judge. It's as simple. God will be the righteous judge. God is the righteous judge. We don't qualify to be anybody's judge. Verse 3, so then when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Do you, understand, do you see that? You're just, I'm just a mere human being. We don't qualify to pass eternal judgment on somebody. We'll leave that in the hands of God. We'll do the love thing. We'll let God be the judge. We'll do the thing that he asks us to do. What does he ask us to do? Follow him. Be imitators of God. Walk in love. Oh, whew, that's just so much easier. Aren't you glad that you don't have to be somebody's eternal judge? Come on now. Isn't that take some weight? You're just a mere human being. Well, is that person going to hell? Uh, I don't know. Well, yes, you do know, Pastor Brent. You know what the word of God says. No, I know that the word of God says... That God is the ultimate judge. I don't know what's happening in that person's heart. And what they say and what they pray and what happens on the last day of their life. And I don't know any of that. Well, you know for sure that person went to hell. I don't know. I don't need to know. God's the judge. Scripture says you and I, what are we? We're just mere human beings. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show, show contempt for the riches of his kindness? Oh, yeah. He gave me kindness. He gave me the riches of his kindness. So I'm not going to show contempt for the riches of God's kindness that he gave to me by not giving it to someone else. Riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience. Was God patient with you? Come on, answer me this morning. Was God patient with you? 
when you were messing around and blah, 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 and maybe even this last week, was God, is God patient with you? So what should we do? We need to pick up rocks because people haven't decided today to follow Jesus. No, he's given us forbearance and patience. Listen, he says, not realizing that the kindness, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. The one translation says, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. What is it? The goodness, the kindness of God leads us to repentance, us and other people. Now, I believe in heaven and hell, but we cannot scare people into heaven. If I gave you a fantastic description of hell and scared you so that you would be like crying, and then we said at the end of that, follow Jesus, is that the methodology that the scripture tells us that we're supposed to use to lead people to repentance? No, what is it? The kindness. It's the kindness of God. It's the kindness of God. What should come through us? What should come through the church? Kindness and goodness. Kindness and goodness. To be kind, the same kindness and goodness that God has given to us. Are you out there? That God leads us to repentance. How? Because he's kind and he offers us mercy and he offers us his grace. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. Now, this is tougher for some of us in this room, me included. And the Lord's servant should not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. How about that? Correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. So it doesn't, doesn't say agree with your opponents. We don't agree with sin. It's kind of a simple equation. We, we don't agree with sin. Sin hurts people. We wouldn't affirm sin as a church. But then it says, what are we, we're going to have opponents, so I don't have to acquiesce to my opponents. I can actually have a position. I can have biblically, biblically informed knowledge of uh, how to live my life. But then I'm actually going to do it with gentleness. That I can actually have a discussion with somebody with whom I disagree gently. Without any rocks in my hands or my pockets. That I can actually disagree with someone and say, well, here's how I see the world. And here's why I see the world this way. And have a gentle conversation and talk about the goodness of God and talk about the grace of God. Not to pick up rocks and be like, here's, here's the and, and, uh, and the, uh. no, we're just, we're just mere human beings. We, we get to put all of our rocks down. We get to put all of our stones down. 
And we just get to offer grace to people. And we'll let God be the judge. We'll let God do the God thing and then we'll do the part that he's given to us to be ambassadors of this message that God is not holding his sins against people and that God offers the worst of the worst, which we'll put ourselves in that category. That God offers the worst of the worst. He offers them grace. Second Peter 3 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some have counted slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Colossians 4, verse 5 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Now, all my friends in the church who have really mean videos on YouTube, I wish they would read these verses. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. If we have an opportunity, well, why do you go to church on Sunday? We don't have to be embarrassed. We don't have to be ashamed. We can be like, you know what, there's really two compelling things for me about going to church and being a part of a community of faith. It's like, it's Jesus, and it's that he offers me grace. That's why. That's why I follow him. Jesus, God, coming to the world to do something for us. And then he just offers me grace. He offers me something I don't deserve he doesn't say, yell down from heaven, do this and 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 you might be with me. He actually comes down to the earth and he shows his love for me. He lays himself down. And then he just gives me grace. He just gives me a relationship with him. Make the most of every opportunity. When we have opportunities to share with people who are far from God and who have been caught in a sin. Let's put down the stones and let's have an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Let your conversation, that doesn't just mean the words we say, it includes that. Verse 6, let your conversation, your manner of life, that word means, be always full of what? Say it with me. Grace. full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer anyone. Last verse, Romans 15, verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. How does Christ welcome us into the family of God? How does he, how does he welcome us in? He just welcomes us by grace so that we should do that for each other. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today for your word. God, we're so thankful that you are God and we aren't. We're so thankful, Lord, also that you have called us to be your ambassadors, your purveyors of grace. 
and love and kindness and mercy and to talk about your goodness. Lord, we pray that you empower us, that you help us to be witnesses for you, that we can share your love and grace and that we can put down all of our stones and our rocks of judgment. God, will leave all of that to you. Help us, Lord, to walk in love with one another, to care for and restore one another and bless one another and pray for one another. God, and help us to see the people outside of the church the way you see them, that you love and care for them, that you died for them, that you laid down your life for them. Help us, Lord, to see with those eyes, not eyes of judgment and anger and frustration, Help us to walk in love. And God, help us to use those opportunities that we have to talk about you. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.